Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one astonishing page of Talmud each day because today's page, Gitin 84, it kicks things off on a bit of a high note. Have a listen. The sages taught that if a man says to his wife, this is your bill of divorce, on the condition that you ascend to the sky, or on the condition that you descend to the depths of the sea, or on the condition that you swallow a four-cubit reed, or on the condition that you bring me a hundred-cubit reed, or on the condition that you cross the Great Sea, meaning the Mediterranean Sea, by foot, or any other condition that is impossible to fulfill, it is not a valid bill of divorce saying, hey, you know, you're not a sword swallower. You can't walk on water. You can fly through the air, which got me thinking, but what if you could? So I would like to welcome to the show Yoni Kalai and Angela Buccini-Butch, who are both celebrated circus acrobats. Welcome to the show, Angela and Yoni. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. So a lot of the things that the Talmud says today are sort of like, hey, it's uh, beyond the scope of all of us, like, you know, flying through the air with uh, the greatest of ease. That's stuff that you two literally do every day. Especially Angela. (laughs) My role is defined as a flyer, as a circus acrobat and aerialist. I'm the base who normally assists her in flying, though Angela sometimes... Bases me and I get to fly a little bit. I'm glad to hear that, Yoni. Uh, the inevitable question that you were probably bored with a million times, how did you choose these amazing careers? I think they choose you <laughs> to some degree. Um, I think Yoni and I both have a very playful, adventurous side, and there was a big appeal to the training and um, just trust and communication and the skill of developing and community within circus that was very appealing to both of us. Um, I came from the dance world into circus. and um, I myself was uh, studying uh, in the university to become an engineer when I started circus uh, just as a hobby and uh, just really enjoyed it and did more and more. Yeah, the, the age-old path of, you know, from engineer to circus acrobat. I mean, if I had a dime for every time I heard this. Angela, you said something <laughs> super interesting. You, you, you mentioned, unprompted, the, the sort of great trust and communication, which is interesting because the rabbis in the Talmud page today use this kind of language of like, well, you know, is a husband saying to his wife, well, you could only have the bill of divorce if you could do all these incredible things, basically using these impossibilities as a way to break down communication. And here you are saying, actually, acrobats need a lot of communication. Tell, tell me about it. How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. Especially in partner acrobatics, which is something that Yoni and I specialize in together. You have to really rely on each other and you're literally putting your lives in each other's hands. So there's unspoken communication that happens throughout performances and training, as well as verbal communication as well. And the base's job is to give the flyer the reason to trust them. And the flyer's job is to give that trust. (laughs) and commit to their portion of the job to make it easier on the base. So it's a lot of trust, a lot of communication, um, and a lot of hard work. And do you ever go home after a show and be like, you know, you were like a quarter of a second late. Don't do that again. Is it like, does does, does the acrobatics continue into into the non-circus environment? Um, it can, but we, we have a steadfast rule that we never train if we're upset with one another. 
Um, we have to be at a very good, good place. Um, I feel like a lot of times it's kind of opposite where we're like, wow, thank you. You really saved that move or, Hey, what went wrong during this? And then we talk about it and we learn from it. And it's kind of a beautiful thing because the more and more you do the vocabulary with one person, you start to really understand when something's going wrong. And there's this nonverbal physical communication that happens where we kind of just are able to catch and save each other. Yeah, in the acro world, uh, you see all kinds of people who train, and you sometimes work a little bit with others, not with your main partner necessarily. And you see the people who tend to mostly blame the others versus the people who take ownership and responsibility. And we tend to <laughs> gravitate towards the people who are willing to take ownership. So I have one last question and I suspect you guys are going to be annoyingly gracious and say, Oh no, no way. But honestly, now when you look at us, non acrobatic folks, people like me who could literally barely get off the couch if they tried, do you look at us and say like, Oh, you know, they're, they're missing a big part of their physicality. It's just like, they would be so much happier if they just learned how to, uh, to have the kind of uh, command of, of the air and of our bodies uh, that we have. No, no, I don't think that's how we, we feel. I think we do feel that society, though, doesn't give everybody permission to play. And I think that people don't realize what they're capable of. Um, the beautiful thing about circus arts is there's so many different forms within circus. There's juggling, acrobatics, aerial, different balancing skills. And everybody is really inclined towards a different thing. Um, I couldn't juggle if my life depended on it. My left hand doesn't know what to do, but I'm willing to let someone throw me up in the air. So there's really something in this physicality and mental exercise of it as well that does suit everybody. And I think society doesn't give people permission to play and try and when you're given a little bit of that permission we just find people find a lot of joy so Hallelujah. i'll add that when i started kind of doing more circus i one of the main things that i liked was working with people who don't have experience who like think that they can't do anything and showing them how they can do a lot more than they, they expect yeah, as a duo, we teach beginners a lot. And something we always say is um, we love watching people's minds change of what's possible for them. Yoni and Angela, what a treat to have you both on the show. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you yeah, for having thank us. You. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, then you're going to enjoy our brand new Take One newsletter even more. Each week, you'll get an extra shot of Talmudic wisdom straight to your inbox. And for those who sign up before Tractate Gittin ends, we'll be raffling off some Take One swag. So make sure to subscribe at tabletm.ag slash Take One newsletter. As always, please go rate and review Take One on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And you could get your Take One t-shirts, mugs, and other amazing form of swag at tabletstudios.com. 
Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruske, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Robert Scaramuccia, Courtney Hazlett, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.